This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's interesting. As I, began, as I was reading this text, reading this psalm, I began to think about life nowadays. And how the world we live in, I've heard it said many times recently, is an on-demand world. You now can, through little devices like this, have access to everything in your life at once. Paul Paul here remembers having to be at home at a certain time if you want to watch Dallas. I mean, you couldn't get on Hulu and watch Dallas or get on Netflix and watch Dallas. You had to be there. Or if you were lucky to have a VCR, you had, you had to record it on your VCR to go back and watch it later. I remember growing up, Friday nights were a big deal in the Stoddard household. We'd watch the news. Then we'd watch Sanford and Son. Then we'd watch The Incredible Hulk. I think it was Knight Rider after that, maybe. And then Dallas. Now, I, got to ne- I never got to watch Dallas because that was a grown-up show. So I was ushered off to bed. And Mama got to watch Dallas. All I know about Dallas is that guy had a funny-looking cowboy hat. You know, you think about, you think about how in days of old, how that was the way it worked. If you wanted to watch your show, you had to be there in front of your TV at a certain time to watch it. You couldn't call it up later on your phone or on your computer or get online and read about it. You had to be there to watch it. I remember Holly telling me whenever we were in the Delta together and she was doing home health. She'd go into individuals' homes and do diet educations. And she learned pretty quick, you couldn't really do a lot of diet education between noon and 2 o'clock in most people's houses. Y'all know, y'all laugh because you know why. She could show up and talk to you, but people were watching their stories. And it didn't matter who was there, and it didn't matter what they wanted to talk about. We're watching days of our lives, okay? you got to have your priorities in order. You weren't going to miss your stories for just anything. Well, back then, you had to, in many ways, plan your life around that, didn't you? You couldn't pull it up later. You had to be there in front of it. I remember growing up in, outside of Macomb. You know, remember back in the days, just sitting in front of the radio, hoping your favorite song would come on? And then if you were young like me, you had your cassette and your cassette recorder so you could hit record when it came on. Said you could hear your song anytime you wanted to. I'd, sometimes I'd call K106 in Macomb and request my favorite song and just hope the DJ would play it so I could hear it while I was listening to it. You had to be there. There was almost, almost a sense of loyalty to these things. You planned your life around these things to experience them. You planned your life around these things to be part of them. There was a sense of loyalty and buy-in that we really don't see now in the same context. Because everything now is on demand. You want to hear your favorite song, you get out your phone, you open up Spotify, you look it up, and you listen to it. You want to watch your favorite show, you get on Netflix, you get on Hulu, you get on the Internet, and you can watch your favorite show or you can read about your favorite show. You don't have to be there in the same way to experience it that we did in the ancient past of, what, seven years ago? <laughs> it really wasn't that long ago. So... So loyalty is an interesting thing. Think about, think about your favorite restaurant, the loyalty you have to it. I had a restaurant in Hattiesburg I went to so often that I'd sit down and they'd look at me. They'd put my, my, my chips and salsa in front of me, my Diet Coke, and they'd say, do you want a 7 or a 13? I mean, they just knew me because I went there nearly every day. 
Think about your sports teams. Many of you, your wardrobe is determined by the colors of your college team. And you very rarely would wear a maroon or blue sports coat because it's just not worth it. (laughs) These things, these loyalties, these things, they kind of affect us, don't they? We have loyalty towards things that we like or loyalty towards things that are important or loyalty towards things that define us, that make us who we are. Loyalty. It's a big deal. And I think, like I said, in our culture, with our own demand nature, we've lost just a, just a smidge of that, in my opinion. I was thinking about that concept as I read the, the Psalter today. The Psalms, man, the Psalms are beautiful. I love, love the Psalms. I've shared with you before, the Psalms were the hymnal for the Jewish people. And so, uh, the oldest hymnal in creation, even older than the Cokesbury, it's the oldest hymnal out there. And so the, the Jews, as they would go upon Mount Zion, as they would climb the Temple Mount to worship, they would sing the Psalms. They would chant the Psalms. The Psalms were precious and dear to the Jewish people. In many ways, they defined their life together. They defined who they were. So the Psalms have a beautiful majesty to them. And today's Psalm, it's a beautiful Psalm of praise. But what I especially love is what the psalmist said in, uh, in, uh, in, 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 in verse... Um, in, I should, I should, that's why I should, have, I, should, I should have marked it. Verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. And give me an undivided heart. An undivided heart to revere your name. An undivided heart. Notice what the psalmist did not ask for. Notice what David didn't ask for. David didn't say, Lord, give me an unbusy life. He didn't say, Lord, give me a life free from troubles or trials or temptations. Lord, give me a life full of friends and family and joy and ease and comfort. No, 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 no. David didn't ask for any of that. What David asked for was this, Lord, give me an undivided heart. A heart truly and totally and completely focused upon you. A heart that does not have divided loyalties among God and other things, but a heart whose primary loyalty is upon Jesus. A heart whose primary loyalty is upon God. Lord, give me an undivided heart that you and you alone will be the thing that satisfies, that you and you alone will be the thing that gives my life purpose, that you and you alone will be the thing that defines my life and that my life is defined by nothing else that I am a child of God. Give me an undivided heart that you and you alone can satisfy. C.S. Lewis says, when this world, when we have a hunger and a thirst that, that nothing in this world can satisfy, it means that we were created by something for a place other than this world. Lord, give me a hunger and a thirst for you and you alone. You know the most motivated church in the world? A church in trouble. 
A church without hope. A church that's afraid and scared and unsure where it's going. You know, the most troubling thing for a church sometimes? When everything's good. When everything is just going great. When the crowds are good and the money's good and everything is just great. That's the most dangerous time in the world for a church. Not when things are hard, that sharpens the focus. When things are difficult, the focus is sharp, man. We've got to figure this out. When things are good, everything is easy. My prayer for St. Matthew's in this season is an undivided heart. And by this season, I don't mean summer of 2017, which, which I do mean summer of 2017. But I mean right now in the life of our church. Because everything's good. That's not perfect. I mean, I just came from conference. Believe me, I know everything's not perfect. But everything's good now, man. Things are just great. And it's easy for us to just kick back and put things on cruise control and just let everything happen. And that's not what God made us for. God did not make you for cruise control. God did not make you for distractions. God made you, formed you, created you, breathed into you the breath of life so that you can have an undivided heart. A heart focused on God and God alone. So right now, in the life of our church, that is my great prayer for our church, is that we have an undivided heart in this season, this season where things are great. So what does it look like? What does it look like for us in this season, the season of, of summer 2017? But in this season of the life of our church, for us to have an undivided heart, I think that means there's, there's several things we have to do, we have to live into for us to have an undivided heart. First among them is that to have an undivided heart means this. It means we've got to worship. Because you can't, your heart can't truly desire God. Your heart can't truly know God. Your heart cannot truly focus on God unless you are worshiping God. Unless you are focused on God in worship, you really, you really can't know God. And by worship, by the way, y'all, by worship, I don't mean I don't mean just church attendance, which I do mean a little bit. We're going to get to that in a second. But what I mean, worship at its core is just an awareness of God and an awareness of God's presence and just a delight in being in the presence of God. When was the last time your heart leapt in the presence of God? When was the last time, seriously, y'all, not the last time you came to church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when was the last time you felt the presence and power of God in your life? Our hearts are divided because our hearts are not drinking in God's goodness. We need an undivided heart, and we need to, work, to worship our God. And you can worship, y'all, like it doesn't mean church attendance necessarily. We're going to get to that in a second, but you can worship in your car. Don't close your eyes and raise your hands, but 
Well, you're Methodist, you're not going to do that anyway. But, uh, but you can become, an, I don't know if you've seen the great theological work, Field of Dreams. Love that movie. Field of Dreams, one of those movies. When I walk in on it, it doesn't matter where I walk into Field of Dreams, I'm done till it's done. I mean, I'm there till it's done. I'm not walking out. There's that great scene when James Earl Jones is talking about baseball, how America is like a chalkboard that's been erased thousands of times. But baseball, Ray, baseball reminds us of what is good and what could be good again. As you can tell, I've seen the movie a lot of times. But he says, oh, Ray, they'll come. And they'll come and they'll have to brush away the memories. Have to brush it from its face. Worship is an awareness of that presence of God that's so thick and so powerful that you got to brush it from your face to realize the sovereign God that rolled away the stone on Easter Sunday morning is here with us now. To realize the God of the burning bush is here with us now. To realize the same God that passed by Elijah's cave and whispered in a still, small whisper is here with us now. Worship is an awareness of God. Now, that's so you can worship in your car. You can worship where you are. But I do believe that we as Christians are designed to worship together. We need each other. We need, the Bible is very clear. Paul says, do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren as some are prone to do in the last days. It's very easy to prioritize everything else over worship, over church attendance. And by the way, it's summer, y'all. I know we're going to be on the beach. We're going to be all over creation. That's okay. There are churches in Orange Beach. I challenge you. If you're in town during the summer, be faithful in church attendance. But if you go to the beach, I used to joke with my folks in Pedal that, First Methodist Orange Beach should have sent part of their worship offering to us because some of my, my folks were down there on Sundays. So when you go to Orange Beach, go to church there. During the fall, if you go to Oxford State for a ball game, go annoy Jove, Lindley, or Eddie Rester at Starkville First or OU. Tell them I told you to annoy them. They'll love that. Um, don't tell Giles and Eddie I gave him a shout out in my sermon. Please don't. It's, don't do that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, please don't. Don't, don't give y'all the big head. So. But worship is a gathering together of the brethren and the sisterin, if that's a word. Worship, worship is us being together, unifying our voices as one in worship of our God. And we need this. Our soul was created for this. We were made for this. And if we are not doing it, if we are not lifting up our voices together, if we are not seeking God's face together, then there's something within us that is longing. We are not, our heart is not divided because we are not living out what God wants. You were made for this. So I challenge you. One of the surest ways to have an undivided heart before God is to be present in worship. I mean that in your daily life, becoming aware of God's presence daily, but also gathering together with his people. It's easy, it's easy when things are good to forget that. We can forget. Prone to wander, Lord, I fear it. Prone to leave the God I love. We need an undivided heart for worship. We also need an undivided heart when it comes to seeking his face daily through his word and through prayer. We need an undivided heart in his word. 
He has given us this gift. I heard a, heard a preacher say one time in a revival, you will never know God's unknown will for your life if you do not know his known will. I spent this past week like a water bug going back and forth between conference and the first week of my doctoral work class there at Wesley Biblical. And uh, this week was on scripture. And it reminded me again the power and authority of this word. You know, I'm a man. I don't, as a man, there's two things I don't do. I don't read instructions and I don't ask for directions. I figure I'll figure it out and we'll get there. We'll just make do. So how many of us in our life are frustrated because we don't know what to do? <laughs> Lord, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I live? What am I supposed to do? When God has given us this instruction manual right there in front of us. We have to take seriously his word. John Wesley called searching scripture a means of grace. That in doing these things, God will reveal himself to us. He will give us his grace for the living of life. I challenge you in this summer, I challenge you in this season to dig into God's word. That means, y'all, we have great Sunday school classes. You heard Frank say this morning about Sunday school. Oh, what a gift Sunday school is. Because together, you journey together through life. You pray together, you laugh together, you have a good time together. And you study God's word together. We have Bible studies that meet throughout the summer. My class will still meet on Sunday nights. There are ways to dig into his word. You'll never truly know God's will for you if you're separating yourself from his word. Well, preacher, what if I don't have time to come? What if I just want to read it? Well, if you read it, I don't know what to do with this verse. Email me, call me, text me. There's nothing I love doing more than helping God's word become real in your life. I might not get to you that exact moment, but I will get to you. One of the surest ways to have an undivided heart before God is to seek his faith in his word. So we have an undivided heart through worship, an undivided heart through the word. We have an undivided heart through service, particularly serving folks we don't like. It's easy to serve folks we do like. But when you're riding down the interstate and the lane's fixing the end and somebody guns up beside you and wants to get in between you, well, they should have got, out, got in before, earlier, like everybody else. But no, they want to get in front of you now. Let them over. Because somebody's got to be nice. Serving God sometimes means the cashier at the store who won't look up from their phone and won't acknowledge your presence and acts like you shouldn't even be there. Say, thank you, sir. Have a good day. God bless you. Be nice to them. Because that's hard, y'all. That's hard. And whenever we love folks and serve folks that it's hard to love and serve, two things happen. First, they get to see what a Christian looks like. They get to see that love is big and love is wide and love is deep. And that we're loved not because of our efforts, but we're loved because, of, because we are a child of God and God made us. They get to see the grace of life, the grace of God with flesh on. When you love folks that it's hard to love, people get to see God's goodness in a powerful, manifold way. And for you as an individual, when you love somebody you don't want to, you get to experience God working through you. You get to live out and feel God's power in a way that you can't even understand. Loving those whom it's hard 
Loving those whom it's difficult. Serving those folks we don't even like. Let's the grace of God live fully in our lives. To serve others. Especially those we don't like. That's one of the ways God gives us an undivided heart. That was the psalmist's prayer for the people of God today. An undivided heart. And that's my prayer for the people of St. Matthew's right now in this season. Not just in the season of 2017 summer, but in the season when everything's good. We need an undivided heart. An undivided heart for worship. An undivided heart for his word. An undivided heart for service. As we do these things, God will rain down his grace upon us in amazing ways. Let us pray.